Welcome to the T-Hud Podcast. I'm Moby. And I'm Leland. And it is our year-end 2018 special. Yep. Yeah. We also, some free time, so we thought, why the fuck not? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll see if we can get three listener for this, uh, as is typical for specials. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Keep it, keeping the goals high for yep. 2019, we'll aim for four Here listener at the year end. <laughs> so, and in the theme of not giving a fuck listener, you'll hear me occasionally, like, uh, chewing, <laughs> I don't know why that was so hard to say, an orange-flavored confectionery. Don't chew it in the on the mic. Why not? No, why do you mean why not? Well, because it tastes good. No, don't do that. Um, Okay. So maybe this will be the only one. <laughs> so banter, I know you prepared nothing as usual. So banter from my end, two things. Anyone who listens for Star Wars will be excited to hear that IG-88, who is in the Star Wars Expanded Universe, he was briefly actually in Empire Strikes Back. He was shown but didn't say anything. Is it a robot? It is a robot. Okay. He's a robot bounty hunter. He's oh. one of the more popular characters in the expanded universe. Okay. And we don't know how yet, but he's going to play a major role in the new live action TV show, The Mandalorian. Ah. And it's really cool. My first ever Star Wars book was called Tales of the Bounty Hunters. I got that in the mid 90s. And it was like a collection of short stories of the bounty hunters that were pictured in Empire Strikes Back. And IG-88 just had the coolest story. It was like written from his consciousness, but it was like a very robotic consciousness. Just how it was written um, was very alien and very unique narrative. That sounds cool. It really was. And so he's a really cool character. He was a boss in the popular game for PC and N64, Shadows of the Empire. He was a really brutal, actually tough boss. So it's kind of cool that they're bringing him back into canon like they did with Thrawn and some other stuff. Yeah. Which is what I thought they'd do. Well, I mean, it's stupid not to use some of the some of those characters, especially the popular ones. Well, why the hell wouldn't you, right? Like it makes only makes sense that they would use them. It only makes sense. And this is what I thought Disney was doing from the start because all those Star Wars nerds freaked out when Disney said all the old stuff except for the movies and the TV shows, like the animated series, right. were now legends. But I knew at the time all Disney was trying to do was just not be shackled down to this super complicated universe and that right. they can just draw in as necessary. Yeah. So you can't fault them for that. No, I don't think so. Uh, the other piece of banter that... I think is really cool is have you seen the trailer for the Netflix uh, special Black Mirror's The Bander Snatch? I was gonna bring that up later, but I uh, I did, yeah. Okay. It came out today, actually. Yes, and the irony is when this drops, well, I guess it'll only have been a few days between. Yeah. So lots of listeners come out on the first. Lots of listener probably wouldn't have seen it. Um, I'm really excited for it. I'm gonna try to. Watch it with, uh, with the girly girl. And just the idea that it's Black Mirror and you get to pick the story. Yeah, yeah. So it's really like cool. the, one of those interactive, like, choose your path things, right? Yeah. And I just, I love the idea, like, that there's this book and it drove the author to madness. And now this kid right, yeah. who is Charlie Brooker from 
uh, Dunkirk, who's not the French one and not the Harry Styles one. <laughs> That's how I define him. <laughs> okay. So if you can remember, there were like the three soldiers, no, not I, the Harry Styles one, not the French one. He's I, the other one. Just like after a war, I tried to block out most of what happened mm. for that movie. So. All right. Well. Don't remember. <laughs> On Leland's worst of the year list, Dunkirk. <laughs> Didn't that come out in 2017? Uh, probably. Yep. So it, it's, it escapes your wrath. It does, yeah. By it's a little too old to bitch about Thank it. you, Julian Calendar, <laughs> for, <laughs> for your days. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I have, obviously haven't seen the Bandersnatch, but it's a cool idea. Probably more on it later. Um, yeah, no, that, it is cool. Yeah, I, uh, I was going to talk about it in a later segment, too, just briefly. But, no, that's cool. I'm, intru- I'm excited to, to go through it, too. This, this is random banter. But I'm trying to get you to be pissed off to start this episode. This is like your fuel. This okay. is your... But um, I know you're talking on the T-HUD thread. Yeah. That we were joking with Marty, actually, about how there's been a big price cut on Fallout 76 already. Yeah. And it's like... And also that they're holding the line and trying to make excuses on all sorts of things. They're really... It's... Does that not piss you off how they're doubling <clears throat> down on shit? On a steaming I don't understand what they're thinking because they just need to stop doing things. Yes. They need to stop doing things. Like they're, I mean, they had a huge information leak on their website for people, you know, trying to get their proper canvas bags. And there was something my brother was actually just telling me about it yesterday. The, the, it was like on the site, like you could, you know, you would put in some like this ticket to get your proper bag or whatever, but people could go on the site and close out other people's tickets. And then oh, also shit. and see all of their personal information on the ticket. Oh shit! <laughs> like that is what rough. the fuck are they doing? Oh man, what the fuck are they doing? And you, you know, know what? All of this PR bullshit too—that they, they would never have had a problem if they had just put their game out on Steam instead of putting it on their own website because they knew that people would want the returns. But then people could be returning it through Steam. Mm-hmm. The people who actually like it could still be playing it, and. I don't know how many I don't know how many people that is. I don't know, mm-hmm. but like they're they're fucking around in their in-game store for their bullshit purchases, which are crazy overpriced. They're putting things on for quote half price, and these items that were never in the store for the price that they supposedly slashed them from. Oh, and now they're in the store at the price that they were saying was fifty percent off as a normal item. Oh, yeah, this is. This is so bullshit. You know, they're really screwing over the fans in so many ways. I don't, because I don't know what the hell's going they, on over they're there. They're trying to, I guess, avoid whatever Steam charges 5%, 10% on the game, something like that. Well, I, yeah, maybe but, that's something. But honestly, I think they just knew what they were putting out. Yeah. Like, but, I thought they were, I, I, they, they, I honestly think they were just scared of, of the returns. Like, well, you know what? Because <laughs> you can't get your money back. You know what? We, we just we just back. touched on this on the thread, but it stuck with me because I think it's a serious issue. It happened with Civilization VI. Um, it happens with all Civ games now. And it happens with other games. But companies now release a triple triple A title, yeah. which is really just skin and bone skeleton. And then they expect you like six months to a year later to spend another 30 bucks on expansion that actually fixes a lot of the game yep. and adds the proper content. Well, I mean, they, Bethesda, I think in, you know, like in the next six months, it'll, the game itself will be, you know, 
the work because they're doing work on it. But okay, great. In six months, they're gonna have a playable version of Fallout seventy six that nobody's gonna play. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just but, so stupid. And and they're banning people. They're banning people who are using mods because because okay, so it it is an online game and. Uh, mods are essentially cheats. I mean, they can be used as, as cheats. So yeah, it needs to be supervised. But these people, people are getting banned for using it like a mod. Um, it's like a widescreen mod because the original format of Fallout seventy six, um, it was it was it was coded weird that it's not properly like it doesn't fit the width of your screen or whatever. Like the 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 field of vision is this weird narrow thing that apparently everybody hates so people someone just made a mod that you can implement and make it proper widescreen like every other fallout game that they play people are getting banned for using that mod people are See, getting banned for cute. using mods that make this game playable yeah and fallout the fallout franchise has a history of its players and fan base making fan-made mods that bethesda adopts and implements in their own game because the fans are making the fixes for them. This has always mm-hmm. happened with Fallout. This is so fucking stupid. And why do people keep buying this shit? Like, when do they learn? Look, I, I, I don't. People who there's some hardcore fans of Fallout. It's like anything, I guess. They're hardcore fans. And I guess, but I don't know. Some people are. There's a th- theories that this Fallout 76 may eventually go uh, become a free to play game huh. with all these in store purchases and or that. Uh, you know, conspiracy theories that it was originally concepted as a free-to-play game with mm. these microtransactions, and then they just adopted it into this, you know, upfront sixty-dollar title or whatever. I don't know, man. If, it, if, if if I had bought this game and it goes free-to-play in six months after release, oh, I would you be would be fucking, fucking pissed. I would be so pissed. Man. Oh, I'd be under and understandably Robert. so. Yes, that's. Ugh. Just stay away from it. Brutal. Honestly, you know, if it goes free to play, like they need to give those these people that have purchased it like that amount worth of in-game purchases. But even that's a slap in the face because their shit's so overpriced. You you you'll pay like five to twelve dollars for a new skin on your character. That is ridiculous. Yeah, it's like they you know ridiculous. they have like their currency is atoms or something, and basically it's a buck. It's a buck for a hundred atoms. So items routinely go to, from five to twelve hundred atoms in their in their stores or whatever. And it's literally just character skins. <laughs> like it's like the laziest thing. And shame oh. on you, listener, if you buy that shit anyway. So Yeah, really. Really. This is like well known and out there. Yeah. So if you want to buy, buy or beware. Don't come crying to Leland. You will get no no shoulder no, to cry. You will not. You will not. <laughs> you will not. Um Okay, well, that probably takes care of banter. And this is a special, so we don't really have so much segments. But yeah. we want to go through the best of the year, um, the worst of the year, and uh, then we'll have a few predictions. Okay. Um, what do you want to start with? Well, you know, I'd, I'd want to start with maybe our top three movies, if okay. you've got them. Yeah, I do. Um, let's start with, with yours. We'll maybe, start we'll with go, maybe we'll go through number three, and we'll do my number three, and we'll work our way up. Okay. Um well, my number three is it's Halloween. Halloween's my number three. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. It mm-hmm. was they did a really good job refreshing the franchise, I think. And 
I don't know. It was nice to see some of the original players back on the screen too in their in their original roles, and uh, I don't know. I really liked it. You know, it had yeah. its, it had its faults. Um, some of the characters in it were not as compelling as they could have been. I think, but I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. They did a really really good job of making it contemporary, but still Halloween, like. The cheesiness that you want to kind of laugh at just a little bit is just in how Michael Myers is like this force of nature and how just how well he fits into Halloween night and just Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that scene where he's just walking into a house, killing people, and then walks yeah. into the next house. Literally, literally next door, yeah. <laughs> just kills. Swapping weapons as he off. goes, yeah. It was it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really entertaining, and I'm not it was. usually a horror fan. It was really entertaining. My number three is Sicario Soldado. Oh, okay. Um, I just, I mean, it was a great movie. Yeah. But I just love the kind of once in a lifetime idea that it's not a sequel. It was the alternative first script for the movie. They had two oh. awesome scripts. Mm-hmm. They ended up making one. And then they ended up saying, well, the second script is also really good. Let's just make it. And so oh, I did not know that was yeah. What it was. So the characters, uh, especially Benicio del Toro's character, his backstory is um, slightly different. Mm-hmm. Instead of a hitman, he's like a cartel lawyer who basically got almost killed and is out for revenge. So he's still out for revenge. He's still a badass. Yeah. Um, there's no Emily Blunt character. So the film. This is definitely the darker of the two scripts. Oh, okay. Um, there's one point where like. Due to miscommunication, they actually waste a bunch of Mexican federale cops, like legit oh, cops. Shit. And it's like a big moment where they they feel uh, they had to, but it's bad and they're in trouble. Thanks. And yeah, it was a really good movie. So um, I just really enjoyed it. And it's not cool. the best of the year, but that's why sure. it's number three. So uh, yeah, I have, two. I have not seen that one. Uh, my number two is going to be Infinity War. Mm. Yeah. Not number one, but pretty. I would say it's pretty close to the number one slot, but really, it's not even close to the number one slot. Like my number one is like really number one, but Infinity it's Infinity War. I mean, fuck, we've all so many people have been waiting for it. It finally came, and it was was really good. <laughs> like it well, somehow it didn't fall on its face. No, and what I will always remember about the Infinity War is not the giant battle pieces or having all the new adventures together or anything like that that was all cool it was how they treated thanos and how well done he was in his story and you almost understood what he was trying to do or at least his motivations not that you agreed with them and they just just made him a great character as he should be in the mcu totally totally so i i really appreciated that my number two i i don't know if it's cheating it was released at the tail end of 2017 just for like art shows but it was actually released in theaters in january of 2018 um i tanya not a geek movie but just an awesome irreverent drama about tanya harding and just the insanity oh number one eh? situation no number two oh sorry number number two two. okay wow number two number two like i enjoyed it too but i I just absolutely wow. love that movie, wow. watching it. And just the really, really good performances. Um, that guy, I forget his name, but he was Jeff Galuli's friend who thought he was a secret agent. Just all yeah. this stuff was hilarious. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, it was just a really, really good movie, and Margot Robbie was really good as Tanya Harding. In yeah. fact, I want to watch it again. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Oh, wow. I own it. Wow, own it. cool. So, I like what I like. Yep. So, anyways. Yeah, you like Margot Robbie. <laughs> I do. I do like Margot Robbie. Oh, Margot Robbie. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice kind of out of, out of the park there choice. I, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Okay, well, my number one, not much of a surprise, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm, Fuck me. This movie is so good. Oh, my God. This movie is a perfect 10. Okay. Easy. You are so hard to please. What does this movie do right for you? What does this movie do This movie does... Okay, so what this movie does right, it's it's funny. And, okay, one, it's already, like, at a seven because I love (laughs) Spider-Man. Anyways. Okay. Um... I love I, I love the Spider Verse too. I love all the different variations of Spider Man, and that's like I think that's one of the strongest stories from Spider Man. Like all the, you know, a lot of video games and you know major blockbuster, for lack of a better term, entities that are put out deal with the Spider Verse. I mean, like in the last, aside from the like amazing Spider Man video games, the, the adaptations of those movies, the last like five. In the last, like, five games, like, two or three of them involved the multiverse. Like, Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions in 2009 and 2011 was uh, Edge of Time was along the same lines. It, it kind of pared it down to, to Spider-Man. But I'm tangenting hard. Um, Jake Johnson as, like, fat, old, wash-up Peter Parker. Oh, my God. He made, really? he made, he made that movie. Jake wow. Johnson made that movie. And I'm a big fan of Jake Johnson. The movie is so good. He's a fat, it's washed so up Spider-Man. Yeah, he's like a, he's like in his he's like pushing forty and he's got a gut, so his tights are and he's like <laughs> he's like uh, split up from Mary Jane, so he's all depressed about his ruined relationship and Eat, he's, he becomes he be, he's like the mentor for Miles Morales in so so uh, really the main universe of the movie is like the Ultimate Spider-Man universe, which is which is a cool universe, except for Green Goblin, he's stupid in the Ultimate universe, but. That's another aside, mm. but it was it was so good. It was so fucking good. Um, and I think you don't even have to like Spider Man to really like it too, because you'll recognize some voices, I think. And um, it's just so well written. It's just oh fuck, catchy in the feels too. It just man, is man. this like an official um, so- Sony this release? Is a Sony Interactive Studios, yeah, Sony okay. release. So Sony is killing it with Spider Man this year. Man, oh man. They are. They've wisened up, I think, a bit. Uh, yeah, I think maybe, you know, Homecoming was a bit of a kick in the ass, and they could see what Spider-Man can actually be uh, with their name attached, possibly. And uh, I don't know, man. They're they're starting to hire the right people for this for these Spider-Man. <laughs> Between Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man on PS4, man, Sony is killing it. Sony Good. is really killing it. Good. It means <clears throat> someone outside Marvel's having some legit success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, one awesome thing too. In uh, I'll I'll play I'll play the the Spider Man uh, Christmas jingle for you. But um, Chris Pine voices oh voices one of the Spider Men in the in the beginning. He's he's oh it's so good. He's nice. so good. But I'll, I'll <laughs> and in that universe, it's like he's you know Spider Man's like super famous and he's got all this merch and stuff too. And he's got like a, <laughs> he's got like a Christmas album and. They play and it's like Chris Pine singing one of the songs they play over the credits at the end of the. I'll find it on oh, YouTube. That's good. I'll play it for you at the <laughs> after the, we record. But that's good. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Nice. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that you're happy. Yes. <laughs> so, for once. <laughs> um, my number one movie I just saw it is Bumblebee. 
Um, I knew that one. You I knew, knew it was coming, coming. Yeah. because of how I was raving about it on Facebook. Um, Bumblebee was the Transformers movie I always wanted and had become so jaded I didn't think was possible anymore. Even with <laughs> Michael Bay not directing but as producer, I still didn't think it would be possible. It was everything that a true hardcore Transformers fan would want. It was character-based. It had so much heart. I teared up like two or three times. And no, it was not my time of the month and I was still tearing up. But it was like... It, it was so good. and um, That's cool. That's good to hear too. Yeah. It just... It had the right amount of supporting characters. The, the plot was really easy to follow. Um, John Cena was pretty good. He has some pretty epic lines. Was he? Like... Uh, <laughs> like... They're Decepticons. Has anyone thought about that? It's in their name. <laughs> so that was that made everybody laugh yeah. in the theater. Um, yeah, I and the the fighting was really good. Like there was some no name director, but he just really knew what he was doing. Cool. He must and be. A, I wonder if he's a big fan. He must be. Yeah. He must be to even just get the job because they're still giving him the rights to a Transformers film. Um, it looks like it's going to more or less break even through its theater run, which is not good. Oh, that's But, nice. um, and something that's even more exciting, I know this is a tiny bit of a tangent, but Lorenzo D. Bonaventura, the longtime guy who's produced Transformers since, like, the beginning, um, he says they're going to come out with an animated movie about, uh, the Cybertronian War. Ooh. Which is really cool. That could be sweet. You see that at the beginning? And it's like one of the best parts of the movies. Really? Like when you see Shockwave and Soundwave fighting side by side, and like the Decepticons are just wiping out the Autobots. Like it's the end of the war. Whoa. It's slaughter. And it's just so good if you're a Transformers fan. Oh, man, that's cool. So, and Optimus has some really good fighting moments. Definitely like his most insanely cool fighting moments where he's diving through the air with like big blasters. Hmm. Just killing stuff. Some really brutal kills. There's a, a Leland kill in there. Um, and I don't want to spoil it, but I kind of do at the no, same time. No, I don't want to hear it. Don't spoil it for me. But, uh, no spoilers. Okay. Um, yeah, so nice. Bumblebee's number one. Good list. Uh, top three video games. Do you have them? I, I do have three top. You yeah, do have three. I do, I do. What is your number three? Okay, well, my number three. <laughs> number three is cheating. Um, yeah. But I played this game in 2018. Uh, I believe it actually came out like 2014, maybe. But it's Factorio. Oh. <laughs> I had to put Factorio on the course, list. Yes. I had to put it on the list. It it ate up so much of my time in 2018. Like, it really did. I played so much of that in the summer when it was really slow at work. I would sneak in my laptop and fire up when I had literally five hours of nothing to do in the middle of the day. I played so much of this game. I couldn't. It couldn't not make my list, even though it's not a 2018 release. But it was new to me in 2018, so I'm counting it. No, I remember that. I lost you and Marty as friends for the summer. You started speaking an alien language about automation <laughs> to each other. Well, you took a uh, you took Factorio 101 and, and tried to catch up, but uh. I did. It was impossible. <laughs> I was able to manually stuff coal into arms to grab more coal, and that's as far as I got. You know what I know about that game? As engrossed as I was, I and I I get a hankering for it, and like I still watch like the odd Factorio video on YouTube and stuff. Um, and I want to start playing it again, but like I, I one, I know what time sync it is, and two, like I booted it up 
like a month ago and I'm like, I started over again. I'm like, I have no idea how to do anything. I have to, <laughs> I have to learn everything again. Like, why don't I remember all this stuff? It's so, it's so weird how after even five hours of playing that game, everything before it comes so intuitive and then you don't mm-hmm. even really think about having to do it. It's weird. That is weird. Um, my number three is also cheating in a sense, and I've actually never not never played this game. Oh, so that's big cheating. Wow. But it's um Red Dead Redemption Two, ah. and the reason for it is it's by all accounts a AAA title that was released polished and primed and ready to go and not missing anything and kept the fans happy and pushes the franchise forward. And so why it's on my list is that it's. In the midst of this bullshit, like we were talking about with Fallout 76 and other titles, you can go Star Wars Battlefront, you can go Civilization, you can go whatever. You've got this one company that plants a flag and says, fuck it, we're going to release we're gonna release a full game for a full price and make fans happy. Right. And in the quagmire of 2018, I think that deserves kudos. I think that's fitting. I agree. So your number two? My number two, and I'm going to, first I should start off, I have caveat this list with I have not played Red Dead, so it's not going to be on my list. Mm-hmm. And, like, I haven't played the new Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is apparently really cool. Uh, I wouldn't mind picking that up, but I haven't played either of those two, so they're not on my list. But my number two is uh, Spider-Man, PS4. Oh, this game's so fun. Like, right after watching Into the uh, Spider-Verse, I immediately came home and started playing it again, even though I had just beat the story for, like, a third time. Wow. Like, and I actually... Rip through the DLC on my uh, holidays here. Um, three, there's three uh, DLC packs. Oh, it's all like one continuous story. They released like in October, November, and December after the seven September release of the full game. Uh, if you're a fan of this game, they're certainly worth getting. They expand on some characters that are that you see in in the main uh, game and. Uh, yeah, man, like all the characters in, this, in the game are so awesome. Again, I'm just a huge fan. I love all the villains they put into. The story of it is phenomenal. Uh, even though there was a bit, it was a bit plot holy in the middle. Um, on my second playthrough, I think it was, all I did was I just blitzed through the main story. And there was some like timing issues, uh, like plot hole that resulted in plot holes because, um, yeah, of the way the story progresses. If you're blitzing it back to back, it's kind of it gets wonky, but uh, whatever. I guess that's kind of why it's at number two. Mm. But man, it's so good, it's so good. The combat's fun. Spider gadgets are sweet. Web slinging is amazing. I just, <laughs> yeah, it deserves number two for sure. That's awesome. Uh, my number two is Smash Brothers Ultimate. Nah. Um, it is meant to be the definitive Smash Brothers. It has every character ever. It has like every stage. Not every stage, but most of them. All the popular stages that Doesn't, you want. Okay. To. So they got rid of some of the crap. There is some crap that's missing. Do they redo some things from like 64 Smash? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I think it's got have most, if not all, of the 64 stages. Do they stages. have Samus's level? I think they do, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So are they ever going to make another Smash after this? They will, but you're talking like... At least another years. generation of system console okay. ahead. So 15 probably. years for Nintendo. <laughs> 15 years, yeah. <laughs> probably, probably I would say a solid five to be realistic. Well, it's really nice that now the Switch has a fifth game that you can actually play on it. So that's good. That's good. That's Savage. Good <laughs> Savage. 
<laughs> I was, yeah, no, I, to, to tangent, I, uh, someone posted on Twitter, I think they had like got a switch in a bunch of games and, and it took all my ability to not post like, oh, great. Now you have every game for the switch you could ever need or will ever be produced that's worth getting. So congratulations. Yeah. Your collection uh, is finished. Uh, you know what? I'm going to touch on that more in the prediction part. Oh, okay. But, cool. Um, yeah, I have issues with Nintendo and their releasing. I mean, they, they've got the golden goose. They have their first party um, like games which is a huge roster of intellectual properties. Yeah. All they need to do is just pump out decent games using those properties and they can print money like a printing press. <laughs> yeah, they but they can. don't. Like, Well, I mean, I think though also, I, I think that you could also commend them for that. I mean, that's keeping those IPs, you know, quote unquote sacred. They're, these are sacred IPs within this right. company. But it was like, I think for the GameCube, we never got a real Star Fox. We had Star Fox Adventures, which was kind okay. of weird hybrid with a adventure and um you know they they at minimum they need to do a core release of each intellectual property when they release their system so you have to have at minimum one zelda one real mario one real donkey kong one real pikmin go down the list what? that's all i'm asking for. pikmin and donkey kong you're gonna put in that must oh yeah make? oh yeah those those are core properties now and fatal frame what was the last time what was the last donkey kong new donkey kong game that? actually they did do one i think it was called uh tropical freeze for the wii u i okay. could be wrong they for sure did one okay okay um and they did one for the wii as well i own it i haven't really played it but a new fatal frame would be rad oh yeah the one that they had for um they need to cater to wii the was other good. half of the audience that has a switch like like in that audience, that older audience overlaps with all those IPs that you just mentioned, but they're still not being serviced in other other ways that all these other consoles are able yeah. to do at least. I should look up and see if they're working on a Fatal Frame. That would make me so happy. Yeah, you love that fucking franchise. Oh, I would. <laughs> yes, I do. I do love it. I, I do. I do. Um, okay, so that was my number two. Perfect. Number Ooh. one. Drum roll. Any guess? For you? No, because I would have guessed the Spider-Man game no. had I not heard. Uh, it's God of War. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Easy. That was an easy choice. It was really easy. Oh, yeah. Easy choice. Even... I just, as much as I love Spider-Man, I love Kratos and the God of War series. And again, much like how they, how well they treated like Halloween, like this like reboot sequel slash sequel, like they fucking just nailed it, man. The the story is like simple, but uh, well written and touching you know the moments you have between Kratos and, and Atreus his son um, yeah it's just it's so well done and the combat I love the combat as difficult as it can be uh, it's very skill based which is nice uh, refreshing pace from you know the franchise of old that is more button mashy and yeah there's some timing stuff that you've always has always been incorporated in the franchise but I don't know this one really hammered at home and in, in I think this this game epitomizes the term next generation hmm. for me hmm. yeah well I just remember coming over so many times and you being frustrated playing that yeah and and I think every time you saw me playing I was playing on the hardest difficulty so <laughs> of yeah. course you were <laughs> yeah. of course you were I mean after I had already beat it on the second hardest difficulty so mm. <laughs> um, yeah there's some real frustrating parts in that game 
My favorite game of 2018 is Battletech for the PC. Oh, I should have seen that one coming. Yeah, I should have seen that coming. As a longtime Mech Warrior fan, the original creator, the guy that did it all, uh, he came to make basically a video game version of his tabletop. Right. So instead of first-person mech combat, it's it's uh, all third-person moving around. Uh, Is it, it more kind of like RTS-y? Turn-based. No, turn-based? it's definitely turn-based. Okay. Yeah, um, I guess with movement RTS-y. points and things like but that. But like, like tactics, like like a tactic. It game. is very tactical. Okay. Extremely. Cool. It's 100% tactics. It sounds really cool. It is. You know, heat management, you know, if you fire an alpha strike, yeah, you'll do more damage, but you'll run up your heat, which you can do, but then you'll damage your mech's body. Um, hmm. I like, th- this was kind of controversial. The game would not let you auto repair things. So like if you had a really bad match and your arm and shoulder got blown off and you lost a couple missile launchers and a couple of laser cannons, you would need to click to repair those arms after the battle. And then you would need to manually click and drag a new missile launcher into your armor shoulder, new laser guns, and reset everything back up. And people were like, oh, you should just be able to one-click replace everything. I was like, you know what? Forcing you to... That doesn't um, make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't. And it's like, this was meant for hardcore players. So right. forcing you to refit your mechs is more realistic, and I think more players hmm. would appreciate it. I certainly did. Okay, that's interesting. I would say a compromise for that would just to be able to make a preset of weapon selection, mm-hmm. possibly. But it makes sense that, yeah, you need to re-equip the thing you are just rebuilding. <laughs> well, and it's doable. I mean, it punishes you for being stupid in the battle uh, um, because you can retreat any time. So if you start taking super bad damage, retreating any time actually was also a big uh, thing that some players didn't like. Didn't they like. thought it was unrealistic. It's like one click, you're safely out. Doesn't oh, matter okay. if you're fully engaged on all sides. Uh, um, but yeah, but so, but basically, the only reason you would refit is if something goes terribly wrong. So you're punished, but then you're also it forces you to think about well, maybe I can build this mech in a better way, right? For next right. battle. Well, yeah, you, you assess how you just got wrecked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and like, okay. This is this must be a weakness in this mech that I or your team of mechs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, so it was really good. The story was pretty good. I won't get into it, but it, it, my few drawbacks with it, it definitely pushes twenty eighteen politics quite oh yeah quite extreme, um, and. It did not have enough mechs. There's a, a large, large stable of really cool mechs. Um, and they left a bunch of them out. I mean, you basically just got a sample at all different sizes. But they left some really important ones out. They left out, uh, well, there's, he goes by two names. It's Mad Cat or Timberwolf. It's the main mech. If you see like the covers of the old mech warriors, it's always got Timberwolf on it. And he's used and main story points um, throughout the games as well. Like my favorite game, Mech Warrior 2 Mercenaries. There's like the Inner Sphere, which is like the original people. And then the at one point, all the military, the elite military flew away to the rim and they formed the clans, which are super powerful after hundreds and hundreds of years. And they come back to invade the Inner Sphere and take it back. 
And the first time the clans invade, you see this like timber wolf come stomping out of the mist towards you. And it's, mm. your scanners can't even pick up what it is yet. So anyways, it's, it's involved in this cool stuff, but it wasn't in so the it's game. So like, it's historical. It's a huge integral part of it's the It's a huge integral of part franchise. of the lore. And why that's not in what is supposed to be the core tactical game that defines BattleTech and Mech so Warrior. Have they, have. have they released any like downloadable stuff? Yes, they've released an expansion and Timberwolf still isn't in it. In fact, what? they only released one new mech, which is new, and it's like a melee mech with like saws and shit. Yeah, is it arm. cool? I've never actually used it. But like it sounds like it would be cool in concept, but not as cool in like practicality. Yeah, no. People people <laughs> want the big the big mechs. Yeah. Um Huh. There's a lot of important should, ones that are still missing. Uh, I should try that. I should pick it up. I if you like, if you like tactics, if you like games like well, see, Final Fantasy Tactics, see, I've never really played that type of stuff, so I don't know if I do. Okay. And it sounds like I like getting thrown to the deep end, so this sounds like a difficult learning curve, and I think I would maybe enjoy mm -hmm. overcoming the curve, even if mm -hmm. the type of gameplay is not particularly my style. Yeah. I should pick it up. Yeah. Okay. Nice list. So, listener, if you do know. want a little bit more information uh, on in our top three, Moby, you did write a first impressions for mm -hmm. Battletech on the site. And I actually did write uh, a piece on Spider-Man and God of War. God of War is less about the game itself and more about Kratos' journey. But they're up there if you if you want a little additional content. And no wonder those games are in our top lists, right? Right. Yeah. Now let's, uh, let's talk board games. Okay, um, so yeah. I don't really have any... I don't really have a top three like 2018 games because again it's i'm not much for cult of the new uh and generally i pick up games a year or two after release so i don't really have a top three i have it oh i made a top three um anticipation like ones i want to play okay so i go over that so yeah sure i, I think at the top it's probably going to be the new azul stained glass of sinatra uh, it's supposed to be like one okay I love regular Azul it's a phenomenal game my family loves it. my stepmom loves it and this uh, stained glass is supposed to be more of a depthy like more of like a gamer's game they see you know as opposed Azul is a great gateway game uh, but still offers you know more experienced players some strategy and, and nice player interaction with the way you're drafting the tiles and uh, stained glass is supposed to give you more of that I, I think while still being different enough where you can warrant having both in your collection, which is really cool. And that one, I did actually order that, so it's on its way. <laughs> Good for you. Now, my second one is actually uh, Betrayal Legacy. Betrayal of House of the Hill. You, you, we have played yep. that with you, right? Yep. Well, they've made a legacy version of wow. this game. And I'm just really interested in to see how it works. How? I don't know how? how it works. I know, I know. I have no idea how it works. And I'm not one for legacies. I mean, fuck, we didn't even finish our Charter Stone. We got halfway through it. Thanks, Marty. <laughs> we should. We should finish we should it. Finish, yeah. um, but I don't know. I'm really interested in, in just seeing how it works. So that one, I, that one I really want to, I'm interested in getting. And then my uh, third one is, again, a, a cheat like Factorio. Um, it's a 2014 game, Tokyo Highway. It's like a, it's like a dex, it's a, you know, very tactile game where you're building like it comes with like basically popsicle sticks and like little discs and cars and you're building highway routes and trying to get your cars under other players overpasses uh -huh. so by the time it's 
built, you have like this huge, this cool crisscross. Like if you see pictures of this, it looks like so engaging and like, wow, I want to try this. That is also on its way with Azula's stained glass. So that's coming. But I am put it on my list because I'm going to count it because it had a, it's now distributed in North America in 2018. So. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, so I don't know. Those are three kind of hot ones I really want to try. Okay. Did you have anything for 2018 you want to, like anything maybe you played this year that. Um, I have a, I have, well, there's a ton that I played that I hadn't played last year. Yeah. I mean, I think I played transatlantic for the first time this year. So we could throw that on the list. That is, Um, was that a 2017? I think that was 2018 maybe. Yeah. When we, when we open up to games that I first played this year, um, there's a lot. I, even though it was hard, I enjoyed, um, what was that spaceship dexterity game? The flippy oh flip ships. Flip ships. That's a really great that. game. Yeah, that's a fun game. And I don't like dexterity games, but that's a great game. That was a game. Yeah. Great game, except for the boss. I thought the oh yeah, it was really hard. Game. I think we just sucked. We did, <laughs> and I think we, we used some of the powers wrong. I think too. So, um, <laughs> um, I mean, the mind simple as it was. Yeah. I played that that's for the first line. time this year. That was really, really that's good. A, that's a 2018 one, too. So. Um, I have a board game on my worst of the year, which you'll shake your head at. Okay. But, okay. Um, my worst of the year is actually just random. It's like three things, two movies, and a board game. So. Okay. So, do you want to start with movies again, then? Um, well, I mean... That's what I don't bulk? have like I don't have like a first three movies a first, or, or worst three movies a worst three board oh, okay, games. I just okay. have a worst three in general. Okay, well, I don't so. really have any worst video games. Okay, again, I don't. Yeah, I don't have a worst. Video I don't play game games either. that I don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna hate. Sure. So <laughs> Although I did so actually download um, a, a one I'd never heard of. It was on sale from like sixty bucks to nineteen ninety nine on the PlayStation Store. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get it. And you're like. The anime it looks it looks pretty like the animation style it looks cool I forget what it's called it's like extinction or something like that you basically play this dude with a big sword walking around killing giant ogres and like giant giant ogres like wow yeah so I don't know how it's gonna be how it's gonna be but the little preview video was like having the guy walking around. he was like cutting off like their feet. <laughs> Wow. This sort of stuff. So I thought, well, for twenty bucks, maybe this I'll cut off a few. Feet oh, fuck off a few feet. So I don't know. Maybe I'll update when I finally play it. But yeah, I don't have anything for video games. I do have one disappointment for board games, though. Well, we'll uh, maybe we'll connect on that. Maybe I'll go with my number three disappointment because my third worst is not worst as in I thought it was bad. It was just disappointing. Okay, um, and that is solo. Because I really like uh, Solo. I said it was my favorite of all the new Disney Star Wars movies. And for some reason, people really hate this movie. We have yet to watch it. My goal oh, is yeah. to purchase it very soon, like within the next day or so, and watch it with you. Sure. Um, and I want your honest opinion. And I'm hoping you can shed light, if you do hate it, on why you hate it. Okay. Because for me watching it, I'm like, okay, so the actor is not exactly like Harrison Ford but he has that feel and Lando's That's what great. people were mostly bitching about? Like, yeah, they were bitching about Alden and Aaron like, It doesn't feel like Han Solo. It doesn't look like him is what they say. Well, how many people look like Harrison That's Ford? Stupid. There's one guy that made a really good YouTube video that I could show you that, yeah. that does a really good Han Solo and looks like him. But okay, if they didn't hire that guy, then what else are they going to do? Yeah. Um, 
But other than that, I thought they did a really, really good job with it. And I was so pleasantly surprised after having my um, expectations just flattened because I didn't see it. No, I did see it in theaters, but it was late in the run. Right. So, yeah. So that was a disappointment because it bombed and then Disney panicked and put everything else on pause. The Obi-Wan movie on pause. The Boba Fett movie got canceled and they're totally in panic mode now. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I think it was kind of, uh, they've been slipping down into the precipice and it was the final pushover, yeah. I yeah. think, right? Now they're free falling. So, yeah, it's true. They got to pull the ripcord somehow. They got to find, yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, um, I didn't really have a particular order, but I think right now I'll, I'll go along with the lines of disappointment. Mm-hmm. My number three is going to be Mandy. Oh, yeah. I was so disappointed with this movie. Um, oh. I wanted to like it so much more than I did. It just we, we all did. It was yeah. like a tea head event, right? Like we were all there. We we, we wanted to watch yeah. it together. It just yeah. it fell right on its face. Um, yeah, I mean there are some redeeming qualities, so it's not like the worst film of 2018, uh, which I think I pretty <laughs> clearly put on my list here. But I yeah, I was just uh, it saddened me. I wanted to like it more. Like visually, it was really cool. And, you know, I don't know. It just like Cage's performance, just uh, aside from that one scene, it it could have been anybody. It could have been anybody. I just. The mystique of Nicolas Cage himself was not enough to save that movie for me. No, it was it was almost like bait and switch marketing because they had one scene where he was full cage that you were hoping for. And other than that, you're right. They could have slotted in some dummy extra. Right. Now, I I will. And I'm going to. What solidified that on this list for me was comparing it to... So, Nicolas Cage played one of the Spider-Man in Into the Spider-Verse. He plays Spider-Man Noir. Now, some of the other Spider-Man, they're kind of more more put to the push to the background, right? But he has some killer lines, like enough where you're like, okay, let's make a Nicolas Cage Spider-Man Noir animated film now. Oh, so he he's stealing the show as he does when he's at his best. Yes. So he was oh he was perfect supporting character in that. So good. Like so Spider Man Noir, the the I, the Noir universe is like you know a twenties and thirties like gangster thing. So everyone's like everything's like black and white. So he comes and you know he's all black in his switches suit and he's just everywhere he goes like he comes in his like trench coat is billowing in the wind <laughs> and then even though they're like indoors it's, yeah and like his line he's like he's like everywhere i go the the wind follows and it's and the wind smells like rain it's like it's it's perfect nick cage it's like ah oh. so that comparison even though it is oh, different i mean yes. cage is starring in this movie and he can't hold it he can't whereas he supports in this Way better written movie, vastly different movie, but oh, uh, he so wait, wait, wait. so disappointed. I want to I want to make an important because Mandy's on my list as well. I want to make an important distinction here. I don't feel that Nick Cage mailed it in in Mandy. I think he was completely misutilized. Yes, completely okay, completely miscast. That is a miswritten. Really, yeah, and that's a good clarification. I I he does not strike me as a guy right now in his career. Like he strikes me as a guy that's very self aware of who his mystique is. Yeah. But they they wrote the cage out of him in Mandy, and <laughs> yeah. whereas it seems like in a smaller role for Spider Verse, they knew they had Nick Cage. They're probably Nick Cage fans. And they're like, we we got to use this guy properly. 
Yeah, I'm sure it was, you know, sitting around the table like, man, okay, who are we going to cast for these guys? Who's going to be Spider-Man Noir? A staple of any inclusion into any Spider-Verse story ever, by the way, which is awesome because Spider-Man Noir is rad. And they're like, hey, Nicholas fucking Cage, of course. Of course. <laughs> hey, phone him. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hopefully they do a spinoff. I'd be, you know what? That makes me more interested in seeing this movie now. Yeah. Because Nick Cage is a draw for me. And again, he's, he's not a huge he's part, a huge but, part, but when he's in it, he's awesome. Oh, and <laughs> he, oh, man. I don't know. I don't have, I'm not going to tell anything. I'm not going to say anything more about it, but. He has some really good moments in, in the movie, yeah. He's got okay. some really good moments. Is he in a bathroom drinking? No, okay. he's not in a bathroom drinking. Well, I'll still excuse him. <laughs> um, okay, my number two, and this is why I asked you for the name yesterday, uh, Disappointments. I did not like Not Alone. You did not like board yeah, game. Um, I realized we played it wrong in the beginning. But yeah, the first couple of things. Even when we fixed it, it, it was not fun for me. You didn't like no, it? I didn't like it. Yeah, well, it was late in the night too. It was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it, it isn't. It's a, it's an okay game. It's not one of my favorites, but it supports seven players, which we had seven people, yeah. so it was an easy bring. And um, I think that game, that game suffers from the first time experience being poor. I think because uh, I had only played it a couple times before, and it didn't go much better than it did. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. Um, I, I see that. I mean, you know what? I will give it. I mean, it's it was cool just in concept. Though. It was juxtaposed with so many better games that I started playing this year. Like, I think we right. started Charterstone this year. Downforce this year was the first time we played that. I mean, you've been hitting us with classic after classic this year. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, these kind of games that are maybe just average stick out. Well, and, you know, I think that is. A, uh, a flaw of higher player count games. I think that's just innately comes with higher player. They just can't be as refined. And, mind you, Downforce plays up to six, and even at six players, Downforce is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's not my favorite player count, but this Christmas we played a lot of Downforce, and we had six players, and we had some fucking crazy games at six players. But I don't know. I think ideal player count for me, Downforce is four. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, okay, we're tangenting really hard. We but are. I totally see that. Not Alone is a... Me- I would call it mediocre. I would call it mediocre. Fair enough. If we really wanted to rant, we'd bring up, as worse, the uh, Evil Dead 2 board game. But been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you got another? I have another movie. Sure. I have two more movies. Okay. Okay, so Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, I saw that on a bunch of worst of lists when I it's, reviewed it. It's movies. really fucking bad. Like, they're why, why they ha, they put the Cloverfield name on this random ass movie, be, so people so it will be you know popular. Like it was so stupid. The premise of it was dumb. I mean, it's got like you know alternate universe storyline, and you know one universe is is like wrecked by monsters because they did that they put oh no the act of going of using this energy supplying thing was potentially going to rip the space-time continuum and this is where the monsters come from i don't know i don't know wow a bunch of random shit happen shit happens on this spaceship because of these two universes colliding like unexplained things that make zero sense why 
why that would happen in either of the two universes. Like, a dude's, like, full of worms. <laughs> uh, uh, a chick gets trapped in the wall, which actually I could see happening. But a dude gets sucked into the wall. Like, <laughs> it's the stupidest fucking thing. It's really, really bad. And uh, there's tons of reports of, like, this movie was, you know, conceptualized as a generic sci-fi movie. And then Cloverfield dudes were like, hey, let's put our name on it. Like, that's what happens. That's what fucking happens. You know what? And you can almost see why they did it, even though it's bullshit. Is you look at, I think it was 10 Cloverfield Lane or 12 Cloverfield Lane, whatever it was. That kind of had that feel because you're like, why is it Cloverfield? Why is it Cloverfield? But when there's the reveal and you understand everything, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, they're hiding and you do this human story. Okay. Yes. The the premise in 10 Cloverfield. I really like 10 Cloverfield Lane, one. I mean, I love John Goodman. Um, He was great in it. It It's like scary, like beast of a man. Like, I know he's getting up there in age, but... and. But would that movie not have been so much better named anything else outside of the Cloverfield universe? And all it is is he's just like fucking with these people and has trapped them in this bunker under the premise of something crazy happening outside. And But nothing outside is happening. And she gets outside and it's like, what what's going on? Everything's normal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because because the biggest complaint on Ten Cloverfield Lane for a lot of people is the very ending of the game where 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 you actually see all the Cloverfield. Yes. Things. Exactly. Like, it's like okay, this is a complete tonal shift to what we just had this weird suspense thriller inside this bunker, and yeah, you, and then you need those last scenes to you know support your premise, I guess. I, I like the I idea. I, the, the, I think the I think the movie is flawed, but I really like. Yeah, I like the idea that it took. Like this big disaster, of course, okay, is going and on, it and it's like it's like a camera zooming in. It zooms sure. in on this one feasible but crazy ass moment that could happen within the situation. Then it zooms out again to show you okay. the thing. I, yeah, I, I don't know. know. I appreciate I it. I appreciate it. Um, okay. You know, there sometimes those paradox sucked though. Paradox. Paradox did, did suck, but sometimes you know they those little deflections. Where most of the time you don't see how it connects works out. Case in point. Um, why am I forgetting the name? Oh, this is so stupid. What was what is the middle Shyamalan for between glass number split? Split. That's it. Split right. had that thing. Sure. You only find out at the end. Yeah. No. And that and that's cool. Um, okay. Well, would Ten Cloverfield Lane have been more impactful under? Any other name that did not include Cloverfield. And then you get out and you realize at the end that, oh my God, this was the Cloverfield universe. Yes. What I would have done is something like call it 10 Field Lane. And then you, like the marketing gives no hint that it's Cloverfield. You do the movie exactly as you did it. Right. And everyone's mind's blown because it's Cloverfield. And then right before the final credits, you show 10 Field Lane and the word Clover. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that could be cool. Um, because I think the actors were more than enough to draw in views for it. I, this did not; it did not need the Cloverfield name on it to no. to make money. I don't even know how successful it was. Well, if it, it was, it was probably no. And and I agree with you from a marketing perspective. It was a risk because everyone who liked the first Cloverfield comes in 
expecting this like balls to the walls shaky cam disaster movie because it's got that name and you don't get that Mm -hmm. until the very very end so you you have the percentage of pissing off people as much as drawing them in right 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 so um my number one and then we'll go back to your your last movie my number one was mandy but we already discussed it so just very very disappointed because i was looking for vintage cage yeah never got it yeah so what was your last movie? Well, my last movie, um, not the worst movie of 2018. I think Cloverfield Field Paradox was the worst movie I watched in 2018. But my number one uh, is going to be A Quiet Place. People, I don't know why people like love this movie. Like I heard nothing but great things about this movie. It's so dumb. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I saw it. The premise, the premise is interesting, but not thought out, not no. fleshed out. There's okay in this specific area. There only seems to be three of these things that uh, one clearly aren't attracted to each other's noise. So somehow they differentiate the noise that they make to maybe you know they can smell each other or something. Sure, you can write that off. But there's only three in this area. You're telling me that in the United States, <laughs> yes, and 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 if there's you know if they are this territorial beast that potentially they seem to be you know large vast of territory that, that maybe a few of them roam that they can't handle whatever the fuck these things are yeah just are you just kidding airstrike fuck airstrike like a five by five mile radius i know put up some speakers draw some in boom exactly. how fucking hard is that well and but I mean, no, it's okay. like, okay. Maybe we don't know how widespread it is, though, in the movie, right? Do we, we know? We don't. We don't. But you're right that in this immediate area, there appears to be like three. Sure. And and it would be difficult in these. It's, uh, it does seem like it's more rural. But, but no matter how good their hearing is realistically, like they can't hear everything at like 15 miles distance. Like that's <laughs> physically impossible how for would sound they know waves to travel like what that. What to... And they're like instantly there within seconds. It's as if they're constantly there. It's like a video game. It's like yeah, they're they're constantly close to you. They're just outside the field of vision. And it's like you move to this farmhouse. They're still (laughs) just outside the field of vision. Like the video game is drawing them in. It made no sense to me. Um, I watched it with my girlfriend and her friends. And all we did, honestly, we were so bored. We thought we made a running joke that the nail in the basement was <laughs> yeah. like the starring actor. I actually made a Photoshop after I sent to them about the nail winning the Academy Award because it was the best actor in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the Academy That's Award funny. goes to nail, That's and funny. they see the nail being coddled by the statue. Best villain. Best villain. <laughs> best best supporting actor. Because yeah. we were just so fucking bored. It was. It's a flawed movie, man. Like. So, okay, they have to be quiet. So that means there's zero dialogue in the movie. There's zero actual dialogue. Oh, yeah. Meaning you miss out on so much emoting from these actors. Mm -hmm. And, okay, I love Emily Blunt. Krasinski, I can give or take. But, okay, great. You put a beard on Krasinski and he's in fucking survival horror mode or whatever. I mean, it it was... This one was directed by Krasinski. So I don't think this movie failed in the directing. I just think it was a shitty fucking script. Shitty script, honestly shitty premise. Like you said, it wasn't thought through. No. It it was aliens can hear people and then they just slay them. That was as far as the premise went. I just – so – 
and when I was watching it, so I watched this a few months ago. And then uh, last weekend I watched Bird Box, which just came out on Netflix. Very similar movie, but vastly superior movie. So I would I, I would recommend Bird Box. One, I, Sandra Bullock, phenomenal. I love Sandra really? Bullock. Yeah. Oh, she still kills it, man. Oh. Um, She's great in it, but so in Bird Box, if you're unfamiliar, I don't know if you are. I am unfamiliar. It's it's based on, this one's based off a novel, so theoretically the premise must be more fleshed out. <laughs> but basically, there are these invisible things you don't really know what they are, and if you see them, or or I guess they're not invisible, but we never see anything on screen, right? So if you view them, then they they. Uh, manifest in in the person that views them the like suicidal tendencies so they they try to kill themselves oh wow and like they you know throughout the characters kind of make mentions like as if you when you see someone affected they like are talking about um like some deceased loved ones maybe um so the premise is quite similar right there's this anti there's this overwhelming force that preys upon one of your senses right and you need to somehow survive in this world that is suddenly being overtaken. But the the reason Bird Box is better is because one, it it, um, it flashes back from you know current apocalyptic survival scenario to the origins of it with Sandra Bullock's character. Oh, and you okay. and you see her. So those were the best parts of the movie, right? There's actual character driven performances um, as opposed. To, and yes, they are reacting to these things like they do in a quiet place and are driven every action they make in a quiet a quiet place is driven by this entity right but i don't know bird box was so much it was so much better and it also has john malkovich in it which i, I love oh, malkovich, oh. So. instant watch instant watch. yeah um it was it was better i mean it's still very flawed uh and i could pick a, i could pick it apart just as much i could pick a quiet place but i liked it way better yeah it's better <laughs> it's just better. That's maybe good. I'll write. A, maybe I'll write a comparison. That's good, Leland. I'm really gonna go see it. <laughs> <laughs> he's not creepy, John Malkovich. Oh, he isn't. Oh, no. he's oh. asshole, John Malkovich. Oh, okay. Which is still entertaining, Malkovich. Um, this is a total aside, but I might want to watch it on the Christmas break. Have you ever seen Bean, John Malkovich? Yeah, Bean, John Malkovich is, is awesome. Good? Oh, it's, it's great. It's a Phenomenal Cusack movie. Oh, and I love Cusack. Oh, yeah. So You've I never seen it? it? Oh, dude, yeah, you got to watch okay, it. It's great. It. It's awesome. You'll love it. You'll okay, love it. perfect. Because yeah, really I love them both. So. Yeah. That is a class. That's a cult classic movie. Yeah. I have some friends that really like it that yeah. you don't know it's some worth watching. friends. So. Definitely worth watching. Okay, sweet. So you're, that's it for you. You have no more. I have no okay, more. Okay, I have one disappointing board game of 2018. Okay. And I got Reef for Christmas. And Reef is supposed to, I had heard that it was, you know, similar-ish to Azul. You're kind of building this your plateau with these different colored pieces and basically building specific configurations to score points. And I was really disappointed in this. Oh. I only played it once. I So, I mean, I, I again, I compared it directly to Azul, which I love. And this really fell flat for me. It's like there was no player interaction. Huh. whatsoever i don't know if we were doing something wrong but it's a very simple game and it just did not live up to azul like i don't know super disappointed maybe i it has i think some potential um for solo play but i could see how that would get really boring too 
Mind you, though, again, with solo, there's no no player interaction because you're the only pair. But with three people we played, there was no interaction either. Like, mm. very slight from the table, you're drawing these basically, like, order... It's an order fulfillment game for lack of... Basically, you pick up these cards from the center of the, the row, right? And the top of the card, when you play it, you gain those pieces depicted on it, put them on your board, and then the bottom of the card has a configuration in your board. And if you can score it, however many times you have that configuration on your board, you get the number of points printed on the card. So, you know, you draw a card, you get a red and a yellow, but the bottom of the card could be like, okay, if you have three greens in a, in a straight line, you score four points. Right. Um, so, I don't know. The concept's really simple. Maybe it was too simple, maybe. I don't hmm. know. It fell flat. It fell on its face. I was excited to get it, to try it, but, eh, disappointment. Okay. All right. Nice. So, we want to move on to predictions? Yes, predictions. All right. Why don't you go ahead? Because uh, I don't really... I've got four predictions. Okay. Um, none we have to spend a ton of time on, but uh, just thoughts when I was thinking. Uh, Disney is going to launch their streaming service in yeah. 2019. By the way, I wanted to sing like Conan O'Brien's old "In the Year 2000" <laughs> before all these, but uh, Disney's going to launch the streaming service in 2019. And as I was thinking about it, I think this is the year that there is streaming service fatigue. That there's so many services. Yeah, the content's good, but they're so expensive that now if you want Disney, you want Netflix, you want YouTube Premium. You're easily like 60, 70 bucks oh, yeah. a month Canadian. You're back up to what you're paying for a cable. Exactly. A cable and I think we're going to hit a wall. And I think that Disney is the newcomer is going to bear the brunt of that, where they are going to be very disappointed with subscribers oh, you, you within a few so? months of launch. So, it's just a guess, man. Okay, this is okay. all intuitive. I would posit that Disney is – okay, one um, – the main catalog, you know, that they have is geared towards like kids, right? Okay. So I don't think they, the majority of their content that will upfront be on this service is going to be as appealing to, you know, like uh, Netflix content could be. So you couldn't be married there. But I think that Disney has a big enough draw, and people are so love in love with Disney, like you know, all all the everything they have in their vault or whatever. They put all that shit on there. And they do away with their vault. They should just really shift to their stream, right? They, I don't know if that's what they're doing, but they should just have that up for everybody. I think very possibly that Disney will be the draw, the the attractor, and it, it will take away from other things. Interesting. I, I'm not discounting that. Yeah. It's possible. Um, so Disney owns Hulu. Okay. So I don't know if what they're going to do with that. Quite frankly, they should kill Hulu. Yes, exactly. They should and put everything they have, there. all their Hulu... Uh, Just dump them into Disney. Yeah, all their them Hulu-specific in. things that they should put into their, <laughs> their Disney service. So I don't know if that's what the plan is. Uh, yeah, grandfather them in, exactly. So, yeah, okay. I, I honestly think it could really go either way. But I think it's... I don't know what kind of numbers they're expecting. Because right. Netflix... Netflix... I don't know if you can look up Netflix subscription numbers... But Netflix does not give out their viewer numbers. They don't. No. They, no. So you have real like with all their Marvel Netflix shows that are getting canceled. Really, you don't. You only have anecdotal evidence of how poor, say, Iron Fist did compared to uh, Jessica Jones. 
Well, you know, like, didn't Daredevil get canceled? Yeah, they're all they're all done. They're they're, they're all, all done. But yet, I know so many hardcore fans of these. But you don't know the viewer numbers, like you said. Right. So it's a it's a crap. So shoot numbers that I have have seen that people use as a metric is um, number of social media shares. Hmm. Uh, like I think I saw something for like Daredevil season three. There was it was an article. I, I don't know what site it was on. So who Christ knows how reliable it is. And again, this is all anecdotal, anyways. But they had tracked um, the number in the first week after its release. The number of social media shares was like, you know, a few hundred thousand, uh, opposed to like half a million or something or whatever the number. It was like vastly lower. It was like less than fifty percent of what season one. I think they maybe was comparing it to season one had been. And, and so, so it's just show like showing the decline that these series have had. So I don't know. I don't know how much merit that has. Um, I think I think it is valid though. Like I think it should still be considered as valid, but I don't know. Well, it sounds like we don't know how it's going to happen, but we're both in agreement that streamer fatigue's going to hit in sometime this year, yeah. most likely. I, it just can't keep growing. The expense is too high. For somebody has to die. Right. Somebody needs to die. A few things need to die. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how successful Amazon Video is. You know, and I think they have they have a little bonus because it's tied into their Prime, yes. the Prime service. So you get, you know, the the two the expedited shipping bonus too. So I I will easily put money on ninety percent of Prime viewers have prime for the shipping and hey this is a bonus <laughs> right like that's exactly where i'm at yeah no and i watch prime because yeah. it's got the original unsolved mysteries and the man in the high castle oh, okay but that's it and if they were separated i would not have amazon prime streaming service yeah um i i don't think i can go for another service i look at I, how much i, I pay you and I are prolific, prolific YouTube viewers. I probably watch three hours of YouTube yeah, a day. Yeah, a lot of YouTube. And so I have to have premium. Premium is essential. It is essential it for literally a heavy use. would mean if I did not have YouTube premium, I would not be watching anything on YouTube. No. Because the ads are fucking egregious. They're they're egregious now. And it's, it's different if you have – like I could handle a, a non-skippable ad in the beginning of each movie. Right. What I can't handle – is anything good content having those yellow bars in the middle of the oh, video? Oh, I hate seeing that. You, yeah, you know it's coming. You Even know if it's just coming. a stupid little pop up at the bottom of the screen that you just have to click the X on. Like mm-hmm. it's so annoying. So annoying. So yeah. And I I do not doubt that YouTube has ramped up their yes, ads. I hundred percent. Do not doubt that they're at trying to all. force you they are softly. Fucking, into premium. They are just as fucking gross as Bethesda they're like and it's Google it's Google yeah Google's just as fucking bad as everybody else so it's like yeah yeah but so I'm at a case where I I can't cancel the or I don't want to cancel the streaming services I have but I don't want to pay for more I mean I only have Netflix and YouTube premium so I'm fine with them honestly I watch way more YouTube now than I do Netflix that somewhere how that took that Change that swipped that swap. So I don't know. Um. Okay. What's what do you have next? What's next? Next your is glass is going to be a huge hit. Okay. Um. I sincerely think there is a cult following that is underreported on for Unbreakable 
and split. Mm-hmm. I think the trailer's good. I think you've got the people that like Bruce Willis, Samuel Jackson. I think it's the perfect storm. It's releasing at a good time in just like a week or so, a couple weeks actually. Um, I think it's going to be great. I want to see it in theaters with you yeah, and for hopefully sure. Marty. For like, sure. But it just it looks like it's going to tie everything together in an awesome way. Like these are three <laughs> awesome characters to throw together. I know. I am trying not to get hyped as fuck for this. Like honestly. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just looks so good. I don't know why it looks so good. It okay, does. I love it. Jack. Uh, uh, Jack. I love James McAvoy. I love Jackaboy. <laughs> and everyone loves... I mean, who, how do you not like Samuel L. Jackson? Everybody loves Samuel um, Jackson. Bruce Willis, I could take or leave in the mm-hmm. recent years, but... Um, but but in this context, to bring David Dunn into this, right, of right. course. I mean, David yeah. Dunn is a well-liked character. Yeah. I mean, and I, I don't know what the pacing of this movie is going to be because... So, okay. So you see, just from some trailers, right? From the few scenes, you see... You see James Mack, the Beast, has, like, all those cheerleaders, right? And in, <laughs> in one trailer, like, Dunn bumps into Beast and, like, has his premonition. So, like, are they going to, like, throw down? He's going to save the cheerleaders and then they get caught. And then, you know, midpoint, they're in that asylum, right? And they're not there for very long. Like, they're not going to open the movie with them in there, right? They can't. That doesn't make any sense. I, I, I think they might. I think really? what... I think what... The scene that you're talking about may be a, like a five-minute flashback that actually happens in the first okay. third of the movie. Okay. And I think this is going to be a slow burn with a slow wick that okay. just explodes once. Because you can tell from okay, the trailer. So, so you, okay, they start in the asylum. Right. And, yes, okay, so you flashback and you see how they how ended happened, up. In how they got there. Yeah, that makes sense. And then where things get fast is the final act when Glass helps Beast escape. Right. And he's going to go on a rampage you'll probably see him kill some cops and security guards and stuff like that right and then dunn has to basically but i i okay yeah i heard that there was going to be a series of escalating encounters with dunn and the beast yes they did say that yeah but how (laughs) the trailer is is, maybe it is through the flashbacks and it culminates in this huge blow with or or there could be a bait and switch where the asylum stuff isn't actually that long. Maybe it's 15, 20 so that's minutes. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't know. And there, yeah, it's just not that big of a part of the movie. Yeah. It could be. I just, I have a good feeling about it. Yeah. I mean. Well, because one, one thing we have no idea is all these supporting, the support, the three supporting characters from all of their pasts, right? Um, like, I guess, what is it? Samuel Jackson's. His mom. His mom. Uh, the Beast, the, the girl from Split that he. Had a weird connection with or something, and who is it for Dunn? His son, Dunn's yeah, son. Yeah, it should be his son. Yeah, right. So we have no idea what role those those three are going to play. Um, maybe they're. It's not going to be very big. No, mind you, Glass's I, mom is pictured a few times in yeah. the trailer, so she's okay. definitely got a yeah a, a big role with him. Yeah, no, that's a good. I think it's going to be great. I'm really pumped for it, but I'm like, I don't want my expectations to be too high. I just don't want to get burned. Well, you don't want to get burned because the first two movies were really good. Yeah. And so you don't want the sequel that ties it all together to fall flat yeah. and be yeah. like the last glass instead of the last Jedi. Oh, <laughs> fuck. So. Well, and you know what uh, I have found with movies these days is that they – trailers for me now purport this culture of – moderated expectations 
you I can't I do not want to look at a trailer and get jacked as hell about a movie because I'm going to end up hating that movie. And I don't know when that happened. When did that I don't know when that started happening. I don't know if I started critiquing movies too harshly somewhere I my tastes changed or something. I don't know. Cuz I'll watch anything. But I don't like it. I don't won't like anything. I don't won't like everything. I don't know. Do you feel that way about trailers? Do you do you do you feel reserved when you see a trailer and like you want to really like it but you're like, eh, "I'm going to hold back a little bit." Yeah, but it goes one step deeper for me, which is I'm developing, I think, a pretty good intuitive understanding of, okay, this trailer is obviously showing too much and trying too hard. And this trailer, I feel, is holding back. And that actually excites me more. Okay. So Bumblebee's trailer, I thought, did that. I was like, okay, this has the right feel. It's not showing much for combat or things like that, but this has the right feel. And uh, Glass's trailer, similarly. Mind you, I could be wrong because I felt that about the Holmes and Watson trailer. And then now it's like 7% on... You know, really, realistically, you should have seen that one coming. I guess, but they're the guys from Step Brothers. I know, I know, but like, not a lot of people like Step Brothers. Step Brothers is not that popular. Uh, It's just a cult. I think that's one that we really like. But I don't think it's as highly regarded as, as we... Well, we're, we're, I mean, we're John C. Riley fans. Yes, like, that's Bring true. Riley here. This Give us true. a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> we love Riley. Okay, <laughs> um, so I've just given two back-to-back. Do you have one to slip in here or no? Um, no, keep going. Okay. All right. Um, this I hinted at earlier. I think that Nintendo is going to see the big success of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I think they're going to pump out two to three legitimate first-party titles in 2019, whether or not they've been um, announced yet. So I think it's going to be a big year for Nintendo. I don't know how much of a discussion point this can be. It's like they either yeah. make the games or don't. <laughs> like, yeah, that's You true. can make the argument that historically they're a little bit slow, but... Hey, I'm... I'm rooting for them, man. Like, Switch is crazy popular, and the, that fan base should be supported. So, you, please, Nintendo, yeah, put out these games for your fans, man. Like, you are lucky you have the fan base that you do. Like, honestly, I just don't understand it. I mean, okay, a lot of these games that I've never played and never experienced, and I shit on without having played them. <laughs> just because I associate them directly with Nintendo, and Nintendo can suck my fat dick. Thank you. Thank you. But I <laughs> I will not <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. So so <laughs> you want Nintendo to give you a blowjob. So <laughs> But I want Nintendo I want your I want fans to be supported. Fans of anything should be supported, right? Yeah. Like and and the the reason these things are made is for the fan base. It should be. That should be the ultimate goal, right? And Nintendo has had such a loyal fan base for so long, way more than any of the other consoles. Oh, yeah. Okay, Nintendo f- fan base is like fanboy, fangirls, right? Mm-hmm. So much more than PlayStation or Xbox. I mean, there's no comparison there, I think. There's zero comparison. If you love Nintendo, you love Nintendo, right? Yeah. So they need to be fucking serviced. Why does this fan base so fucking loyal? And they get, you know, uh, they get, yeah, okay, great stuff things that they get when they get it but it's so few and far between yeah like it's just yeah 
it's become very inconsistent since I would say the GameCube generation. Yeah. Um, you know, we for the amount of shovelware that was on Wii, we actually got some really legit first-party Nintendo stuff. Yeah. We got both Mario Galaxies, which are right. considered among the best Mario's ever made. Yeah. We, you know, we had a Donkey Kong. We had, we had almost everything mm-hmm. um, for that. But yeah, no, it's um. I just feel like Nintendo's being very inconsistent and that they need to deliver a minimum to their fans. And this should be a big year for the Switch. So let's see if they release these two to three titles. Well, and you know, I think um, they need to they need to have a big year very soon because the next generation for like Sony and Xbox is hitting soon. Yes. Like so it's basically they're, neat. On, they're on the heels of the next generation. Strike while the iron's yes, hot because exactly. the Switch is probably going to... I mean, slow death is maybe the wrong word, but you're not going to be able to get much traction once those new consoles come out. So You know, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think they're going to they're gonna overtake a large percentage do, of Do you market. know if a new PlayStation or Xbox are due in 2019? I don't think so. I don't know for sure, though. Okay. I, I really don't think so. Like, I think... It would be pretty hype if if they were. Um. So my fourth and final prediction mm-hmm. is this one is just intuitive based on absolutely nothing. Mind you, I'll tell you the two little tidbits that make me think this way. Uh, Cobra Kai 2, season 2. Ah. I think it's going to be very up and down. And I think that's going to make it come off as a letdown from season oh, one. No. Now, there's a couple reasons for this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Reason number one, they're introducing a ton of new characters into a show that oh. is just a bunch of half an hour episodes. Right. And you're not going to find time for good character development and focus on the characters that you already had. Like, I thought Cobra Kai was almost full enough as is. Yeah, introducing Crease, great. You can run some good plot points off him. But they're introducing like a bunch of new kids and like a bunch and just new supporting character adults and where are they all going to fit them in and yeah it really just honestly screams filler it it does and it's like i've been following the actors on twitter and they're like oh you know this week we filmed this one big awesome scene we got this awesome scene that's going to like impress everyone and they keep doing that and it makes me think that it's going to be like these awesome epic scenes and then a lot of filler in between them that's oh, why that i said up and down sucks. yeah and oh that would be very disappointing because season one was i think pretty solid uptick the whole way through i i hope i'm proven wrong because season yeah. one sure it had all this nostalgia and stuff like that but it really was character driven it was johnny yeah. versus um daniel daniel yeah and yeah it had the kids but there was just enough of them to not get obnoxious. You know, I I <laughs> don't have kids. I don't need an episode that you know follows the trials and tribulations of Hawk. You know, it's like just <laughs> yeah, have Hawk yeah. exist, right? And flap his wings. Sure, <laughs> fly <laughs> Hawk, take Caroline, Caroline, hold me <laughs> on your mighty wings, take me on your angel wings. <laughs> so. Well, let's see. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that, you know, that the, the writers keep the original feel. But with the amount of new characters, the format of the show, and what I'm hearing on Twitter, I'm worried it's going to be too much trying too hard. Ike, yikes. That's rough. So, again. Okay, well, uh, those are good predictions. That's really all I got. Yeah, all right. Well, you want to wrap it up? 
Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you okay in the show stuff? So uh, you can check out our show notes and our written content at ttpopcast.com. We're on Instagram, ttpopcast. Uh, I'm on Twitter. You can search Leon Steele. Stay tuned for our Patreon launching January 15th with our next full episode release. I've been Leland Steele. I've been Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.